You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Pastor Dan kicked off our Christmas series last Sunday morning, a week from, week from today, just talking about God's plan for Christmas and walking us through some of those Old Testament uh, promises and prophecies, uh, really of bringing, bringing out God's plan um, to bring about Christmas, to bring about His Son. And even Sunday night, we had, we had our concert here, and the worship team just reminded us uh, that Christmas is a time to rejoice, to, to celebrate. Uh, it's okay to, to lift our voices in song and, and really get, get excited for what God has done. And uh, Friday night, we, we gathered together as a church family, and what an awesome time it was just to remember um, the birth of our, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and... Um, and it was so cool just to be able to see like a, a packed house and see people come forward um, when, when Pastor Mike presented the good news of the gospel. So today I'm going to wrap up our Christmas series. And it seems like we've done, this is our fourth Christmas message in, in a week. It's like your, your Christmas message, like booster shot. It's all in one. Boom. We're just doing it all, all in one week. Um, and really, uh, and we kind of struggle with this every single year um, as a pastoral staff, like, what do we do? How do we, how do we change the Christmas story? Not change it, but how do we, what different angle can we take? Uh, we've seen other churches do things like, hey, let, let's talk about Christmas movies and kind of bring out some scriptural truth and everything else. But research shows that people want the simple message of Jesus being born in a manger, of Mary and Joseph coming down to Bethlehem, of shepherds coming and hearing uh, the good news from the angels and checking it out for themselves. Research shows over and over and over again, people just want um, the simple story of Christmas. See, there, there's something special about, about stories. And one of, one of our Christmas things that, that we do as a family um, is like we just watch Christmas movies together. And I think it really started probably about four or five years ago. Typically around Christmas time, our whole family gets sick. It's just what happens. We either have the stomach bug um, last year it was COVID, and so we ended up watching a lot of TV, because that's the only thing that we can do. Like, if we can take all of our four kids and sit them in front of the TV, making sure that they're all physically safe, while, while Mel and I just, like, kind of stay on the couch, because that's really all that we can do. Um, and so this whole thing started. And so year after year, we just watch these Christmas movies together. And listen, but the plot never changes. You guys know this, right? The Christmas movies that you watch, it's not like you, you turn it on and you're expecting, I wonder what's going to happen now. That's not how it works. Like, in the Christmas movies that, that we kind of watch, Will Ferrell stuffs himself in, into tights each and every year with Elf. You always wonder, be like, oh, I wonder if he's going to wear something else. Nope, oh, it's always tights, and it's always awkward, but that's just it. You know, in, in Home Alone, Harry and Marv always fall for Kevin's booby traps, Right? It's like, you don't, like, he opens up the window and you see all the ornaments on the bottom. I wonder if he's going to step on them this year. No, he does. Or I wonder if, you know, his head's going to catch on fire and he puts it, like, he puts his head in a toilet full of gas. It always happens. But there's something about those stories, right? N nothing says Christmas like two criminals getting beat up by, by a 10-year-old. Nothing says Christmas like Will Ferrell stuffing himself in into tights year after year after year. But there's something about those stories that we always go back to, always. Um, it brings us back to either a moment in time, a memory that we have as a family, some kind of feeling that, that, we, that we enjoy. So we always go back to them. 
And church, this morning as we finish up our series on Christmas, I want to kind of go back and walk you through some of those things again. Because not only do people want the Christmas story, the, the plain, basic story of Jesus being born in a manger, I would propose you'd say that we need the Christmas story. That there are things within the Christmas story that we need to be reminded of. That there are places within the Christmas story that our hearts need to go. And that there's a message within the Christmas story that we need to embrace. So the thing that I want to continually just bring up today as we just finish up our time going over the birth of Jesus Christ is simply this, is that Christmas gives us a Savior that we can trust in. Christmas gives us a Savior we can trust in. The point of the story of Christmas is found in a person. That baby that was born in a manger would grow up to be the Savior of the world. And the point, the reason why the birth of Christ is recorded as it is, especially in the book of Matthew, is to point toward a Savior that you and I can trust. And so as we walk through the Christmas story one final time, just remember, there's a reason for this. It's not just to come together and celebrate with family and spend way too much money and eat way too much food. The point of Christmas is to point us toward a Savior that we can trust. So if you have a copy of Scripture with you today, I'd invite you to turn to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 today. Uh, if you don't have a copy of Scripture with you, we have those Black Pew Bibles there right in front of you. You can turn to page 807, and we'll be able to just follow along as we, as we read uh, part of the Christmas story today. I just want to focus on a brief interaction that Jesus' father, Joseph, has with an angel, and just bring out a few reasons why we can trust um, this baby so much, why we can trust him as our Lord and Savior. So Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, says this, it says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Friends, Matthew begins his account of Christ's birth by introducing us to a couple who is on the brink of ending their relationship. I mean, this is like Jerry Springer stuff, right? This is Joseph being engaged to, this, to, this, to his soon-to-be wife, Mary, finding out that his fiancée is pregnant, and it wasn't his kid. And so Joseph, being a just man, it says there in Scripture, he doesn't want to, to make a public display of her, so he decides, all right, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. 
I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but I'm going to allow her to go on and live her life. And Joseph, as he was contemplating those things, as he was considering his next move, it says, uh, Scripture says that an angel comes to him in, in a dream, saying, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Joseph, don't, don't be afraid to commit your life completely to her, even though it looks like she's been unfaithful. Because he says, but because this child that she is carrying is not any normal child. This child has been like, conceived by the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Ghost. And I love what happens here. And I, I, I never really caught this until I was just reading this portion of Scripture, um, just um, studying for this message. Notice something here. The angel doesn't tell Joseph it's going to be okay. The angel doesn't tell Joseph it's going to be easy. The angel doesn't say, I know you're confused and I'm going to work out every single detail. What does the angel do? The angel focuses on who this child is going to be. He doesn't promise that everything's, he doesn't promise that everything's going to be easy, but he says he promises that everything's going to be worth it because this child is going to do something incredible and be someone incredible. Church, it just reminds me that many of us will have times in our lives where we doubt what God is doing, where we're confused by the circumstances of our lives. And the answer to those doubts that we have is the same answer that the angel gave to Joseph. Our hope is found in Jesus. That answer stays exactly the same. And this morning, I just want to break down what the angel says about Jesus afterwards. And, I, and, and in doing so, I want you and I to be reminded of the, the Savior that we have. And what Jesus came to do almost 2,000 years ago, what he's still doing within our lives today. And the first thing that the angel says here is that, listen, this Savior can be trusted because Jesus came to deliver us from our sins. Matthew 121 says, She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, in the book of in the beginning of the book of Genesis, we have struggled and experienced the consequences of sin. We have turned our back from God. We've been isolated from God. And we have dealt with the fact that because of sin, we cannot have direct fellowship with God and have a, have a direct relationship with Him. And as you read the Old Testament, there's, there's been these whispers that a Savior is coming. Someone is going to come to, to change all of this and to deliver God's people from their sin. Look back at Genesis chapter 3. Right when sin happened, God gave Adam and Eve this promise that Eve, from your womb, from your seed, from your line, a, a Messiah is going to come. You look at portions like um, Psalm 130, which is an amazing psalm, looking forward, to, looking forward to, to the coming of a Messiah. And verse 7 just says, O oh, Israel, your Messiah is coming who will save you from your iniquity. 
portions like Isaiah chapter 9, where it says, and he will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. There's been these whispers all throughout Scripture saying that a Messiah is coming. And I simply love the simplicity in the angel's response to Joseph here. He simply says, Jesus would save us from our sins. See, because in it, he identifies who is going to do the saving, right? He says, it's going to be Jesus. It's not going to be you. It's not going to be, um, it's not be anyone else. It's going to be all on Jesus. He is the one that's going to save you because he is the one that, because he is the only one that can pay our debts. And church, the thing that I want us to remember this morning simply is that Jesus paid the debt that we could never pay. Some of you know, um, kind of this side hustle that I have is that I, I serve at a night or two at, at the Olive Garden. And I've seen a lot of weird things. I've been there for 10 years now. I've seen almost everything, I think, now. Um, but something I've seen a couple of times that just really puts me in this really awkward position is when whoever is at the table, their card has been, you know, de, uh, sorry, de denied. Yeah, why can't I say that? This is awkward for me to even talk about it. <laughs> but it's weird because, like, all right, I take the card, run it through. It doesn't work. So you have to bring it back to the table, kind of whisper, hey, sorry, bud, this didn't work. I don't know if you have something else. And there, there have been a couple times where, where the person says, I don't have cash on me. That was my only card. I can't pay for this. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what to do now. But So the other person who is normally with them um, ends up having to pay for, for the check. Our salvation isn't like that. Our salvation isn't something where I just forgot my wallet and I can't pay for it. Jesus, can you cover the tab? See, the story of Christmas is that Jesus came to pay for something that we could never pay. Our debt of sin was too great. And Scripture says over and over again that our good works, even if we try to, to appease God, even, even if we try to over time incrementally pay what we need to pay so that we can get to heaven on our own and have a relationship with God, Scripture says it doesn't work that way. All of our good works are as filthy rags before God. So the story of Christmas is that Jesus came to save us from our sins that we could never pay on our own. And church, over the last four services, all of us, whether it be Mike or Dan or myself, we, we've talked about that's the reason for Christmas. That is why he came. And over and over again, we've mentioned the same thing. And, and sometimes we struggle as pastors saying, how do I repackage this? But church, there is no greater news than that Jesus came so, to pay for something that we could never pay. And the story of Christmas, yes, begins with a baby born in the manger, but it ends on a cross at Calvary. And three days later, it ends with an empty tomb because Jesus Rose from, the, rose from the grave. And guys, the story of Christmas is that Jesus came to do what we could never do. But so often when, when, we, think about, when we think about these things, we think only in salvation for the future. But this Savior born in a manger, he came to deliver us from the penalty, power, and presence of sin. 
is a package deal here. Because one of the things that we often forget when it comes to salvation is that salvation is something that we can experience now. Mike, you used the, the illustration on, on Friday, this idea of being handed a gift and giving it to one of our kids and saying, you, you can't open that yet. You need to wait months, maybe, maybe years, and, it's just sit, and it sits there. That, that gift then means nothing to them. And so often when it comes to our salvation, we grab it, we accept it, we say, I'm looking forward to living a life somewhere in eternity in the future where I can experience God's saving me from sin and me spending eternity in heaven someday. And that's good. That's part of that gift. But church, that word save, it's a present tense thing too. And the good news about Jesus coming is that he died to save us from our sins now. That he died to give us salvation right here and right now within this life. See, Jesus offers us the power to change our lives right here, right now. Jesus was born so that he could break the power of sin. That he could dig up the deep-rooted habits that hurt us and others. Jesus came so that we can not only have eternal life, but abundant life here and now. I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where it says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. The new has come. That's the promise of salvation. That you don't have to wait until, until you die to, and you're in heaven with the Lord to be free of the power of sin in your life. That the story of Christmas begins with us now. That the story of Christmas begins with us experiencing the life God has for us now. We, did, we just finished up like a three-month series on, on the Sermon on the Mount, which is all about God's invitation to live the kind of life that he has for us now in our daily lives, to change the way that we that we talk with people, to change the way that, that we view others, to, to change the way that, 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 we, that we husband or that, that we, not wife, that sounds weird, but to change the way that we deal with our spouses, to change the way that we raise our kids, to change the way that we work. Church, Jesus came so that you may have life beginning now. And I just love the fact that while he gives the offer, he again points to who was going to do the saving. Guys, if you're here today, whether you're visiting for the first time or you have family here or you're just looking for a church um, to, to spend the day after Christmas at, know that the good news is offered today for you. And that salvation, why we celebrate Jesus' birth, is still offered today. And God's word says that anyone who believes in me will have eternal life. Anyone who, who repents and turns from the way that they view sin the way that they, to, and the way that they view their need for a savior, if you come to Jesus recognizing that he did all the work, he does all the saving, and that you're depending on him and him alone for eternal life, you can be saved today. You can experience what Jesus came for. That, that is the good news. That is the good news of Christmas. So listen, if you're here today and you've never made that decision, you've never had a moment in your life where you said, I understand that I'm a sinner, that I cannot earn my way to heaven, 
but that Jesus came and, and did everything that I couldn't do and paid the debt that I couldn't pay. And come, come to Jesus and asking for his forgiveness and trusting in what he did on the cross. You can have eternal life today. And listen, we have some packets of material here that we would love to give to you, Gospel of John, uh, and then also another book that walks through some, some of, some of the, the issues surrounding salvation and explaining it better. We would love to give you one, one of those books today. We're just going to have them up front afterwards. We'd love to, you know, during the final song or even after the service, just have you come and pick one, one of those books up. And I'll be here after the service as well. I'd love to talk to you more about it, but know that the message of Christmas begins with a Savior that we can trust because he saves us from our sins. And church, the second thing that I want to bring up briefly for you today, the thing that we need to remember and be reminded of again and again, is found, it's found in verse 23. First, it's simply that Jesus came so God could dwell with us. Jesus came so that, he, so that God could dwell with us. And Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And also in John 1.14, a passage that, that we read on Christmas Eve, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the angel, after he talks about Jesus saving his people from their sins, he says, listen, his birth fulfills this prophecy found in Isaiah that God was going to dwell with his people once again. So he would dwell with them. And the word dwell literally means to tabernacle, to tent, or to stay with. And listen, many of us have spent the past few weeks gathering around tables as we've shared meals together with family and friends and loved ones. And during, during, during these moments, we're dwelling with them. We, we share stories. We laugh together. We talk about life. Uh, we're fellowshipping together. And that's, that's probably the the most common picture when it comes to that word dwell that we have today. But the story of Christmas is that Jesus has come so that we can dwell with God again. But notice this too, that notice that we didn't reach out to God. Notice that we didn't do something to bring God down to us. The story of Christmas is that God came down to man, that God made the first move. That God loved us enough that so much that he gave his only son, according to the Gospel of John. This is God's work. This is God's plan. That he would be able to dwell with us again. And the thing that I want to bring out simply is this, that listen, Jesus prepared the table and invites us to be with him. It's Jesus, the coming Messiah. Jesus came so that we could actually have fellowship with God. And Scripture uses this idea of, of tables so, so often. A Psalm 23, verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Psalm, Psalm 23, a, a portion that we typically use around funerals, but it talks about the walk that, that believers can have with God. So he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And even though my life seems upside down and I'm confused and I have doubts and I wonder if you're even there, 
this verse reminds us that, listen, God is here and he wants us, he invites us to fellowship with him. So listen, I see what you're going through. I know what you need. And the thing that you need more than anything else is to simply to be with Jesus, to walk with God. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, this is Jesus saying, talking, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So Jesus is saying, listen, not only did I come to dwell with you, but I, I am persistently pursuing you. I, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. Jesus' earthly ministry was mostly around tables. He wanted to eat with people. And especially in, in the, the Jewish culture, the meal together was like the, the big deal. I'm not sure how many of you guys grew up with, with grandparents or parents that like just loved getting everyone together. And the meal was like the big thing. I think of you know, when we've gathered for, for thank, Thanksgiving up at Mel's parents' house. Like the meal's a big deal. We have a, a lot of people come in. And, like, and we have to wait until like three or four to eat sometimes, but it's, it's a big deal and it's worth it. And Jesus is saying, listen, fellowshipping with me is better than anything else. Fellowshipping with me, spending time with me should be more important than anything else that we do. Church, the story of Christmas proves to us that God does not bail on his people. The story of Christmas proves that God, making the first move, wants to dwell with us, wants to be with us. And the challenge for us today, as we, as we begin to walk away from the Christmas season, is simply to, to remember how much God desires to be with us. The message of Christmas reminds us that I am not alone. Now, I don't know what you're walking through today. And you may feel like you're, you're the only one walking with you. But know that your Heavenly Father is walking along with you each and every step of the way. See, the message of so many other religions is that if you do these things, if you, if you follow these rules, this will get you closer to God. But Jesus came down and pursued us. So today he gives us an open invitation to experience life with him. Church, we have a Savior we can trust. We have one who saves us from our sins and one that invites us to sit at his table. But the point of Christmas, the point of Christmas is for God's story to become your story. And over the last week, especially here, we've been reminded of the Christmas story. We've been reminded of the fact that God has come, that God sent his son Jesus, born in a manger, born of a virgin, to save his people from their sins. We've, we've pondered and meditated on how much we have to celebrate. But the question at the end of all of this is, how will this message change your life? How will this message, the message of Christmas, the good news that God sent his son, how does it change your tomorrow? And I, I love the fact that we're here on December 26th, a day after Christmas. We've all kind of let everything settle. We've taken in the, 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 the awesomeness of yesterday, and now it just leaves us with, okay, what now? So I simply want to ask you two questions 
as, as we finish up here today. One simply is, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about that baby born in a manger? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Because listen, Jesus came so that you can have a relationship with God. That's the whole point of the Christmas story. But then for, for those of us who have maybe already accepted him as our Lord and Savior, what do you believe about what he can do to actually change your life? Do you believe that God has the power to change and un unleash you from the power of sin, whatever's holding on to you right now? Do, do you believe that God can, can break habits, heal relationships, forgive your past? We have a Savior that has come to save us, not only from the penalty of sin, but also from the presence and power of it as well. And secondly, what do I need to do to walk with Jesus this new year? If the story of Christmas is that God came down to dwell with us, to dwell with man, to have a personal relationship and walk with you, what do you need to do to make sure that relationship happens? Some of us, maybe some, some things that we need to give up, that we have filled our schedule with things that have pushed our relationship with the Lord to the side. Maybe it's, maybe it's having too many nights out. Maybe it's um, not allowing enough time during the day to actually spend time with Him. And the message of Christmas is that this would change who, who we are and what we do. So church, let me, just, let me just encourage you, as we walk away from Christmas season, let us not leave it without changing our own personal story today. So I want to pray for you guys. I'm going to invite Mike and, and the singers up. We're going to sing one more song as we close out our time here today. So why don't we stand and let, let me just pray over you guys this morning. So Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you so much for the good news of the message of Christmas, God. That, God, that you came to save us from our sins and to dwell with us today. And God, over the past 2,000 years, Father, the good news of Jesus has completely transformed, Lord, and spread, God, and transformed the hearts and lives of so many people, Father. And I pray, Lord, that this would be true here today as well. God, we have celebrated the birth of your Son. God, we have celebrated the good news that the angels came and gave the shepherds, God. But the point of all of that was to change our hearts, change the ones that are reading the Christmas story even today. So God, I just pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts. Show us, God, where we have doubted that you can save. God, show us, God, where we have placed other things in our lives besides the priority of walking with you, Father. God, and may, we just, may, may this next year, be the year, God, where we experience you in a new, a brand new way. God, I just pray for our church, God. May your spirit just work in our hearts. And I pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.